Hello and welcome to IndieWire's Very Good Television Podcast. I'm Liz Shannon Miller at Lizlet on the Twitters. And I'm Ben Travers at Ben T. Travers on the Twitters. And happy Monday, everybody. Uh, if you were one of, what, 17, 12 million people last night, you probably were watching the Grease Live experience. And hopefully you've recovered since then. Hopefully your hand jive is unjived. Or, or it's like extra jived. Like you just put a little bit extra into that portion of it, and now you are got a good night's rest because of it. I don't know. Got some good... I don't know what's going on. How do you talk about Grease Live, Liz? That's the question that we're going to ask because, you know, we this is now at the third, the fourth uh, musical live musical experience that we've seen uh, broadcast networks pull out of their pockets. And increasingly it's becoming like its own little weird art form. Yeah, it's definitely its own. I mean, art form is the is the good way, like the, the maybe the official way, the kind way to put it. Um, it definitely has a lot of art in it, depending on which production you're talking about. Um, it's definitely a thing, though. Like, there's something starting to develop in kind of the the audience's mindset of of how we're supposed to watch this, how we're supposed to consume it. Um, but I'm not exactly sure if we're all on the same page or not. I don't know. I mean, the thing the thing that's fascinating about it is so you know the first one of these was of course the Sound of Music, uh, which NBC put up uh, two years ago. And that was then since, oh, it was, no, three years ago? Jeez, was that three years ago? Oh, my gosh. I, that's, if it that, was, that's that makes cool. me sad. That's yeah. not cool. That's too long. But yeah. since then, we've gotten, uh, we've, gotten, uh, we've gotten The Wiz just this uh, last winter. We also had uh, Peter Pan. Uh, if, if you were going to rank those, Ben, where would you, wh- how would you rank them? What's, what, what, was, what was your, of those, for, of those three, which was, which was your favorite, which was your least favorite? Um, my favorite, I don't think this is going to be the popular opinion. My favorite was probably Peter Pan. Wow. And my least favorite was The Wiz because I, I just think The Wiz is awful. Like, I don't, I don't, I mean, I have nothing against the production that was put on, on NBC or, or the talented cast. I just don't really engage well with that musical. So. I mean, what about the talented cast, including a perennial favorite, Queen Latifah? IndieWire, IndieWire TV team favorite, Queen Latifah, of I, course, included when I'm talking about the talented cast. If, if it wasn't clear, I think Queen Latifah is great. I love the Latifah, but Ben does not care for her work. I do not have a lot of respect for her as an actress, no. But this stems back to a very uh, personal and, and subjective viewpoint when I was young, and she was in the movie Chicago, which was a terrible film, and she was terrible in it and unjustly rewarded. And then it just kept going, Liz. There was no stopping the queen. You can't stop Latif. I guess I can't. She's like the I tried. Predator. I can't. <laughs> so, but yeah, I, I I would rank the Wiz probably higher. I, I think Peter Pan was actually probably my least favorite of those three. Uh, but in comparison to those, what do you think about? What did you think of Grease Live last night? Uh, well, if we're gonna rank it, I'd put it at the top. I mm-hmm. <laughs> I feel weird saying that because. I feel like everyone's appreciation or I mean appreciation is probably the only word I can I can use at this moment but they're they're kind of reaction to Greece and and Greece in and of everything that surrounded Greece uh is wildly different. I think some people love it blindly. I think think some people hate it uh, after, you know, just studying the some of the really questionable lyrics and and general 
uh, perceptions of this of the show. Uh, but I honestly, I had so much respect for this production in and of itself. Um, I really liked the cast that they they set up, and I thought everybody did a great job. Plus, for me, it's just such a inherent crowd pleaser um, that depends so heavily on you being pleased, like being just having a good time with it to make you kind of overlook some of the sexist and questionable motives of its characters. Um, so, and I, I, they, I felt, I felt like they pulled that off. I felt like they did distract me enough from that aspect of it to make me just have a good time. And that's about as good as I can say for some of these TV musicals so far. Yeah. I mean, it is, it is kind of disturbing how they, they really double down on keeping the line. Did she put up a fight in the, in it? Like, Every other, there's a lot of other edits they did make uh, to, you know, kind of counteract the sexual stuff. And yet, no, we're, we're going to, they really committed to that line. Yeah, it was definitely in there. And it's one of those moments where you're just like, eh. but I feel, again, I feel like if you want to like this, if the, if the production of it convinces you that you want to like it, you can convince yourself that that line's not about rape, Liz. Like, it's not about that at all. It's just about like, if she, you know, kind of played hard to get to get a nice peck on the cheek. Like, you know, just let's tame it down for the PG version of this really raunchy high school musical. Stop perpetuating rape culture, Ben. I know I am. I'm doing a really horrible job. I'm sorry, everyone. It's okay. I forgive you. Uh, but I think what's, <laughs> what's uh, I mean, there. it is interesting how, like, Grease is something I think we've come to just kind of embrace on it on a surface level for a long time. But it is like really important to remember that it was technically meant as a satire in some respects. Like it's meant to be a commentary on that sort of like weird 50s culture. Like the fact it's the fact is like it was made in the 70s. It's it was made to be retro. Yeah, and I think that's an important aspect of, of this kind of discussion of how we view these too, because you could definitely make that production and, and make that satire very sharp and biting and, and, and really engage with it, but they did not try to do that in no. this production. Like, that was not their MO, and I feel like that would be a very difficult thing for them to do in the context of what these live musicals are quickly becoming, um, which are inherent crowd pleasers. Like, they're really just trying to be a populist art form. I mean, they're re- they really only exist to get the ratings. They need the live ratings still. That's what broadcast depends on. And, you know, these so far have been pulling them in. Yeah. Um, and how, how did the, uh, what is the, uh, like, the short version? Is, is it, it was 12 million, right? Yeah, it was just over 12. I think it peaked at, like, 12.9 um, in the last half hour, uh, which for me was the best part of the whole production, but uh, but yeah, about twelve point nine million, yeah. which was the the highest viewership since the Sound of Music. So we're gonna see a lot more of these. Yep, yep, we are. And I mean, this goes back to what we were talking about, like in terms of you know, can we con- can we deconstruct this? Can we can we approach this from a critical eye? Can we rank performances? Can we discuss? You know, you know what 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 scenes worked better than others. I mean, we can, we can of course do that. Like we were we were born to nitpick, but <laughs> is is that fundamentally working? That's what I guess we're talking about here is whether or not that's fundamentally against the idea that this is not necessarily a musical like the Tonys. This is more like a a pop, a pop you know a pop culture event. Yeah, and and to me, like I've mentioned, you know, a few times now on the show, it's it's. I feel like those kind of rankings and those kind of responses, which are very much just about what's there on the very superficial 
levels of like, okay, like did you know, what was your favorite musical number and and what was the biggest flop and who had the most charisma, like who was the most who had the best stage presence, you know, that kind of thing. All of that is is very easily justifiable for something that's this fun. Um, and if you wanted to go deeper, then you could, but I just don't think there's a lot there outside of the fact that what I really admired about Grease Live was the production. And I feel like a lot of people are agreeing on that. I've seen a lot of commentary online about the director, about the about the stagehands, about like their giant, you know, I mean sets that were really just stages spread off, spread across the Warner Brothers lot in Burbank. I mean, it was amazing. Like the the, the speed at which they went through this, even with the commercial breaks and everything. Um, I really admired that. Like, and they seem to put a lot of effort into f- making it cinematic um, in terms of being a live event. There was a lot of camera movement, um, not a lot of cutting necessarily, but a lot of movement to keep the viewer's eye enticed while these people were dancing around. And they didn't shy away from showing the dancing, which to me, as somebody who really likes watching movies, movies and TV shows where people actually dance, I really want to see them do it. I want to see the full body. I want to see everybody moving around and, and kind of the blocking and, and the choreography. And I felt like they did a great job of showing that in this. Yeah, um, it's worth uh, the the real hero of the night is probably is probably the director who is uh, Thomas Kale, who is about to win himself a Broadway, uh, uh, you know, a Tony uh, for directing Hamilton probably in a couple of months, but may also end up winning an Emmy as well for this because I mean, you, like you said, everything you're saying is this is el- this has elevated the game in terms of how these p- productions should be staged in a way that I honestly like if I was NBC, I'd be freaked out right now, like because. This is it, it, it. There was something so perfect about the way that they worked with the fourth wall and completely destroyed it at certain points. The way they really leaned into like the fact that this is a big fun party and we're going to show you every aspect of it as it's happening. Like it's it's kind of like the antithesis of watching Saturday Night Live just to see people break. Like you want <laughs> with with because with a live experience, like the whole half the fun of it is knowing that anything could happen and so and there and, and that includes mistakes but there weren't actually that many mistakes and instead what they gave us gave us was the real sense of this is happening live in front of you and we worked like hell to make sure it all comes together but some of it might and some of it might not and some of it only comes together because we're going to do things like show you the golf carts that the kid we're, we're, we're whizzing everyone around on yeah, and they really, I mean, like you said, they embraced that to the point where it almost made whatever happened okay. It was like, if they make mistakes, you're just going to forgive it because of how big and ambitious the project actually was. And if they don't make mistakes, then you're going to admire it all more. And like you said, I don't think there were that many. But yeah, when you first started watching it and, you know, between scenes you're seeing – um, you know, like the the, uh, the the women of the cast kind of get together and joke about like how they were family and how close they were and then just different behind the scenes stuff, including, you know, moving from from set to set. And then the end of it actually incorporating that into the, the actual present, like the actual show itself, uh, you know, all that came together really, really well. And, and you're right. I think that um, on the one hand, if, if we, you know, we get back to what we were talking about before about the how to evaluate this, how to judge this kind of thing, if you're going to judge the productions, if you're just going to judge the productions, I don't think there's any question that Grease is at the top of the production list if you want to get into like the actual musical aspect of it like the, the, the nitty gritty of the performance um, the decisions of the narrative that kind of thing you know that's a whole separate conversation that I don't know if we can even have with these things I don't think they're asking us 
to have that conversation or to think like that when we're watching the show. No, I agree. I mean, it's like if I was going to review this like properly with, you know, paragraphs and a letter grade and all that, I would be reviewing the experience of watching it, like similar to watching an award show. I wouldn't be reviewing it as a recreation of this musical. Though I have to say what was real it was really interesting to watch it because it made me remember that you know, this it, Grease started off as a Broadway musical. There is a theatrical version of it that pre, predates the movie that they made, but the movie has is so drilled into our psyches, I guess, that the iconography of it, you know, it, it's no wonder that they really leaned heavily on it for this. Like, you know, at certain points, like I, I thought everyone was doing, I thought all the actors were doing really committed work, but at times I was like. Okay, Vanessa Hudgens, that's a really nice, uh, that's a really nice uh, Stalker Channing impression you're doing. Uh, right. Like, you know, you could also try to do something of your own. Right, but again, like, I'm not sure that's what anybody wants when they're tuning <laughs> into watching it. And beyond that, because you know, as you know, as critics, as you know, artistic evaluators, whatever you want to, you know, call people who actually think on this level, there's there's definitely a demand to do that with a lot of TV. It's not a good excuse to say like, oh, well, no, they're just trying to have fun. You know, it doesn't matter what's what else is going on. Um, but there is a line there where you do want to just kind of forget and be like, okay, well, they're just trying to put on a good time. And, you know, like you said, Grease, there's people who have never actually watched the movie or seen the, the stage production, but they know all the songs by heart because the songs are just, you know, infected into our culture. They are, they're a musical aspect all to themselves uh, where that's not necessarily the same with some of the other stage productions out there and for this you know you you kind of identify with that and you still want to have fun because those those songs are so catchy and you just want to kind of get up and dance along with them um, so I think that's kind of where I guess the line is for me where it's like okay I don't have to dig any deeper I don't have to look at Vanessa Hudgens and say okay well yeah that was a really good you know nod to Stockard Channing but I wish you would have done something else it's like no that's fun she's just giving a nod to Stockard Channing because that's what we all wanted to see anyway so okay it's fine yeah I mean there's no there's no denying any of that but that said I I think honestly my favorite performance of the entire night was the opening Grease number uh and that's because I think it was it was it, it's that is one of my all-time favorite songs weirdly enough it's just like always really, really love that song. Uh, and so in theory, I would be resistant to something new, but uh, who was the singer? Jesse J? Oh, I don't know. Okay. I can't tell you. Yes. Uh, she, <laughs> she, she seemed very nice and she did a really killer offbeat rendition. And the way that was staged with her just kind of basically taking us on a tour of the entire layout of the set, like I, I loved that. That was great. Um, and there, I feel like there are times when they could have pushed further in that direction. But again, like you said, did people want that? It doesn't, it doesn't, it, people didn't want that. People wanted to see them recreate the entire carnival on the back lot at Warner Brothers. Yeah, which honestly wasn't even something that would have entered my mind until it happened. Like until I was in the midst of this, I was like, as soon as it started, I was like, oh my God, that's a great idea. Like that's just, that's. I'm really excited that you guys decided to do that. It it gave it that kind of just vibe that worked. Um, but yeah, I think that's you know that's a very subjective. Uh, that that's maybe another way to judge things where it's like, you know, they can they can find new ways to do stuff that still fits with the overall tone and and, and the fun vibe and and the kind of throwaway pop uh, sensationalism or whatever you want to call it. 
that, that, that might make you admire it more, might make it stand unto itself outside of, you know, the other productions and the history that's behind it. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's, there's definitely going to be more like this, I think, because for one, I mean, yeah, the ratings were good. For two, I felt like this had maybe a little more buzz behind it, like online or, or just in, you know, different spheres than before than, than the other, you know, mus- live musicals that have been out there. Um, so I think we're going to start seeing similar kind of, uh, daring directorial decisions, maybe incorporated that into, you know, if they've got to, you know, they got to use new productions, uh, maybe have a little bit more of that edge to it. Like you're talking about something a little different, um, something a little, maybe you didn't expect, but, uh, but yeah, I think, I think the future of this is better than it was before Grease Live came out. Yeah, and I think part of it is, uh, yeah, if 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 people other other productions that are currently in development, apparently uh, NBC's next looking at Hairspray, which feels like a not great choice, but does actually have slightly more edge to it than say, you know, the you know Peter Pan, and I think that's maybe the difference is that Greece is this is definitely family friendly, but Greece is definitely a, a more mature, less more mature, uh, you know, experience as a whole. Like, I think the perception of it is different. And that also kind of speaks to how important it is to pick these well. Like, you, it's not, it's not just, oh, I love that musical, we should do this. It's like, what, what musical really, really draws in, it, it, it draws in interest. Yeah, and I think, I think one of the things about, about Crease Live and, and maybe might make Hairspray a pretty good follow-up Especially compared to you know, like the Sound of Music or or um, or Peter Pan, admittedly, is the upbeat nature of the music itself. Like if it's something that's really poppy and really catchy and kind of just drives things forward, it's gonna give it a little bit more me- momentum. It's gonna make it feel a little more um, a little more paced for the new generation, for people who you know don't watch that much live TV, like to do things at their own pace. Uh, you know, maybe have a shorter attention span. They need something that's really going to keep things moving at a quick, quick, quick pace. Which you know, Grease Live also helped to do by showing us that behind-the-scenes stuff, like all the work going on uh, behind the scenes. But uh, but yeah, I think you're right. I mean, it's definitely um, it's definitely key to choose the right projects that kind of fit that mold. Is there a musical that you would love to see get this sort of treatment? Oh man. Um, I mean, we were talking about it before uh, we started recording. Newsies is one that I've I've just always Newsies. I I would be living in fear of who they'd cast and what they'd do to tweak it, um, because it's just you know it's it's sacred to me. They should leave it as it is and just make that happen. Um, but yeah, I'd I'd watch the hell out of Newsies on live TV for sure. Well, ABC, ABC owns the rights to that. That seems like a very logical, plausible thing. God, if they could, what if they could just, what if they could bring back Christian Bale and put him in like Bill Pullman's role? Oh my God, like, that'd be incredible. Or even as, you know, Joseph Pulitzer, like that would be, that would be a get. Oh my God, that'd be so great. I can't even handle how great that'd be. They, <laughs> Don't they, worry about it. It's never going to happen. There's no way Christian Bale would come back for a live TV version of Newsies. <laughs> what? Who knows what would happen, could happen in this crazy world of ours? Yeah, you're right. It's probably gonna, they, they they probably could get back Jeremy Jordan. Um, yeah. Yes. Probably. <laughs> probably. probably. He's you know he's on Supergirl now, not yeah. singing or dancing. So he needs to. He needs to have that outlet. Yes. Yeah, so you asked me what which one what I'd like to see. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah. Uh, 
beyond Hamilton, because Mama just wants to see Hamilton, uh, and that's probably like a decade away from happening. But who knows? I might get to live to see that. Um, beyond, I hope you can make it a decade, Liz. <laughs> you know, we'll see. We'll see. I, I don't know. You do I, live life hard and on the edge. I do. I'm, I'm a risk taker. I, yep. I, I, could be, I could be on an island in Fiji. I don't know if they have live musicals in Fiji. That's a good point. Um, but yes, if I had to pick one, uh, you know what could be, I don't know if you could do it, but The Lion King, actually. Hmm. Like, I, I, I wish, I'm, I'm, I, maybe this is just because I'm not remembering a lot of musicals right now, but if you took like the Julie Taymor staging of The Lion King and found a way to kind of, because I, I don't know if you've ever seen it, but like they, they have a similar vibe in terms of like, you know, you, it's very, you know, there are a lot of puppets involved, but they're very, but the puppeteers are very exposed in, in the open. Um, so you get, you still get that, uh, you, you, they already have that vibe built into it. And I think you could really enhance that with, with a, with a live t TV production. I think that would be one which would be right up the alley for somebody who maybe has like a little bit more of an edgy vision, like a Julie Taymor kind of vision for it and wants to do something a little bit bolder and maybe invites a little more, uh, artistry into the into the production i think yeah. that would be a very good example of that like you were talking about earlier yeah also uh i just realized we uh, uh i realized two one thing i want to mention and uh one obvious other answer is that both you and i are so on board for a few good men remake yes yeah do that for sure doesn't yeah. need any music just make it happen guys yeah but what was interesting, I think the really important thing about Grease Live that I don't know if enough people are talking about is the fact that I, I, it, the reason why I think Grease Live felt more lively and vibrant, pardon the pun, than you know, the NBC ones that have been, come before is that live audience. Like, yeah. I don't think live TV works without a live audience, frankly. Uh, it, it doesn't work as well anyway because you need that. You need people applauding and responding and so forth. And they didn't like get it, you know, they didn't go to the point of like making sure that they had laughs on jokes and stuff like that. But having like the vibe of actual live audience members in attendance just changes the equation entirely. I I couldn't agree more. And it's a very good point to bring up. And it's it's such an interesting dynamic, you know, for for where TV stands today because so many people are are alienated from that now. Like so many people watch sitcoms or watch uh you know just just you know comedies in general and if a, tr a laugh track pops up it feels awkward all of a sudden you um know, people, but for, that's not good no I, was, I mean i was just gonna say for these particular productions i remember last night as i was watching it and i'd heard the live audience early and then later on like you mentioned they don't necessarily you know trigger them for all of the jokes and it wasn't that i felt like they were missing on the jokes because i understand why they can't really have them it slows things down breaks up the pace a little bit. You never know how like a live audience is going to react or how long or, or whatnot. But when they did come in, it did give it that juice. It gave it that extra lift. And that was a really key decision for uh, for you know the director, the producer, everybody behind it. Yeah. And I think, you know, it's on, honestly, I think it's something that like, you know, the actors, you can tell, always respond better to it. And it's why like live, show, you know, why when, you know, multi-camera sitcoms shoot live, why it matters to have that live audience there. Right, yeah, and the thing is, the thing with those, though, it's it's that some of them feel 
like they're shot live. Some of them don't feel that way, but they still use a laugh track or they still have, you know, a live audience. Um, and that's where it gets kind of weird for people who are watching this on Netflix or even watching it on TV. Uh, it, 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 there's that weird separation of people who don't really understand why there's people laughing when there's not, you know, the admission or the acknowledgement that this is a live event. Um, but since it is a live event, it, it and on you know for Greece and and for hopefully future productions, you know it really did help it out. Yeah, and you know it's worth noting, like you know, Undateable Live, uh, which right. had, which also had its season finale uh, last Friday. Uh, you know, at, at at a certain point, they've just kind of given up on that show as a storytelling vehicle. It's really just about its its cast having a great time together and making each other laugh and making the audience laugh and. I've been to a live taping of that, and it's really fun. Like the energy is great, and you know, it's you know, you're you're looking out for people breaking, you're looking out for people slipping in things that they didn't rehearse properly. Uh, it's a lot of fun, and I think I, I mean, if live TV is fun, then I guess like the best evaluation we have for it is the level of funness it has. And I think that's a that's a good example to bring up because for me. I think what matters when it comes to live TV is the event factor. Mm-hmm. And it's not necessarily that being a series uh, takes away from that for me with Undateable Live. I've seen a couple of the episodes. It is interesting that it's live, but I don't have that same... Urgency. Yeah, urgency is a good word. I, yeah, ur- I mean urgency, yeah, um, behind it. So it doesn't feel as important or or just as fun for me to dig into. And what's... I mean, you know, when you've got a musical that's a one-night-only event, it's like, okay, that's an actual event. When you've got the NFL, which is, you know, obviously the biggest live television broadcast ever, always. Uh, not just in terms of the Super Bowl, which is obviously coming up on Sunday, but uh, but in terms of pretty much all their games. That's what people keep, you know, coming back to, and that's what the networks need. They need that live audience because it's it's so key, and it's it's an event. Like, you have to watch it live or it doesn't quite work out. Um, these grease clips that are up on YouTube, I'm sure there's a ton of people watching them, you know, missed out last night. Uh, but it, it, I don't think it's going to feel the same. I don't think it's going to have that same, uh, that same thrust to it. And, uh, I think it's really interesting kind of what makes something an event, uh, in terms of, of television these days, because not everything really is, not everything really has that feeling, but the live component of it certainly does help push it in that direction. Yeah, I mean, it's worth noting that as a humble West Coaster, I am used to watching tape-delayed things. Uh, like, I've I've gotten good at tricking myself into believing I'm watching something live, even if I'm watching it uh, uh, tape-delayed on my uh, on my DVR. Yeah, but remember that year when they tape-delayed uh, the Oscars for the West Coast? What a catastrophe. Yep, that was, <laughs> that was doom. And I just think, I, I just don't think you can do it. I think you've got to... If you're going to make something like that, if you're going to have something that's that's live, um, you need you need to make it live everywhere. You need to trust that the audience is going to show up for it because it is actually an event. And anything that you're doing to dissuade the idea that it is an event, including you know, you know recording it and airing it later, you can't do that. I think you got to just kick it to the curb. Well, especially like it would have been fun yesterday for me to watch Greece at 4 p.m. when it would, for when it actually started recording. If only because uh, I'm in the same city, I knew what the weather was like outside. Yeah, like having yeah. that immediate connection to what was going on. And by the way, tr- props to them for pushing through um, on like what was not 
ideal weather. Even like once the rain stopped, it was like 42 degrees last night. Um, yeah. And those girls were wearing shorts. So. Yeah. yeah. No, it's a, it's a very good point. And, you know, then you bring in the social media aspect of it where oh, yeah. after I finished watching it, I'm seeing Anna Kendrick's tweets just start float, flooding in. And I'm like, well, wait, you're way behind. Why are we? Oh, it's because you're watching it on the West Coast. This is why they're showing up now. And it's not, not quite as fun to follow along. You want everyone on the same page. And I know that they need the ratings. I know that they need, you know, the, the, both coasts at, at prime time. But, you know, it's a Sunday. People will watch things. They will, will make time to watch things on a Sunday because, you know, they're not doing that many other stuff. They're not doing that much other stuff. So we don't, we don't I don't have, know. We don't, we don't have lives, Fox. We can make time for this. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's the, the, the most important thing is, and, uh, is what's going to come next. And I, I the thing I've, I've never been really excited for these musicals, but now with Grease Live, like, I don't think they're going to get Thomas Kyle back, but, you know, certainly, the lessons we learned from last night will hopefully carry through and just keep elevating whatever the hell the subgenre is until we get something really weird and magnificent. Yeah, yeah, which would be great. Like, which would be, you know, the idea. Hopefully it starts as fun. People start putting their own spin on it. It gains credibility. It gains kind of, you know, more traction behind it, but it never loses, you know, that that necessary essence of being, like you said, urgent and enjoyable. Enjoyable, like just a good time for everybody to, to have however they want to have it. I mean, there's a lot of people making sarcastic comments on Twitter. There's people mocking stuff uh, on, on Facebook and every across the across the board. You could have a party and everyone could enjoy it differently. Um, but there's just so many ways to enjoy it. And if you make aspects of it like the production good, then I think you're going to draw in a lot more people. Yeah, indeed. As, I don't like that guy who played Danny, though. Kind of. That's just that's just my final thought on the matter. Didn't really care for Danny. Um, how do I, I? I feel bad about this. I feel like I've asked you this question before. How do you say Julianne's last name? No clue. Hoff. God damn it! I always, I say I say Hoff. I sometimes catch myself saying Huff, which is there's, I don't think that's right at all. Um, so I've got a big soft spot for her. I saw her get a couple of mixed reactions online that I really didn't agree with. I, I thought she had she... great charisma and, and a lot of energy and, and was perfect for the part to begin with. So Yeah, I would argue she was better. I, she she was more believable as a as that character than Olivia Newton John. Yeah, that's probably true. Yeah. But who who's to say? Except for You're gonna us. get so much hate mail for that, Liz. Like <laughs> my mom is gonna come after you. Oh no. And Travers, <laughs> no. I love that. Right. She's a softie, it'll be fine. Okay. Then this leads me to ask you, what was the best thing you watched last week? Uh, the best thing I watched last week is actually something that I'll say for now the jury is still out on. I need to watch more of it. But there's something about animals, the new HBO animated series, that just will not leave my mind. Um, huh. It's kind of, it's very crude in in certain regards the animation style is is almost deliberately ugly like it's not ugly in, in the sense of uh like the basic drawings or whatever but like in the presentation of new york it's it's very much the gutters and and the the alleys and the corners and, and kind of like grayer uh greener area like not bright green like dark green muddy green um color palette anyway there's something about it though uh from the voice work to kind of the basic episode construction that does have me intrigued I definitely want to see more of it. Um, there's going to be two seasons. HBO, HBO already greenlit them. Um, we've been talking about animals for a while now because it was at last year's Sundance where it made its premiere before HBO picked it up. 
Um, the Duplass brothers are executive producers on it. It's got an incredible voice cast, which includes Jessica Chastain, which for me is just the, you, the most real- magnificent and strangest get of the cast. I mean, I don't, I don't know. I don't know how you got Jessica Chastain. She's amazing, but, uh, but yeah, I'm just, I'm intrigued. I, I, I wish I could, sh- could say I shared your intriguement. I don't know if animals is one for me, but I definitely, I definitely admire kind of like its story and I do respect the Duplass eye a great deal. So yeah, I, I, I'm with you in seeing where this one goes. Yeah, it'll be interesting. And they announced today that they're premiering it um, a day early on HBO Now and HBO Go. So instead of fr- wait until Friday night slash Saturday morning for you guys to watch it you know, online or streaming or however you want to do it, you can watch it a day early and then you know, catch up, which I think is a really good strategy for them. It's not quite uh, the binge strategy you know, like that Netflix is putting out or a lot of the streaming services are putting out, but HBO seems to be trying to – they're working very hard to gain um, – uh, blanking on the word, but to gain more eyes on their, on HBO Now and HBO Go. Um, and I think this is a pretty good way to do it. They're really expanding that catalog. This is a big portion of it. Um, so if it proves to be kind of a, a, a cultural hit or a cult hit, really, um, I think it, it could really help them out. Mm, fair enough. But Liz, uh, enough of me droning on. Tell us what the best thing was you watched last week. Oh, man. You're good. I'm not going to say Prison Break, even though I did watch two, oh two entire <laughs> seasons. of. Since last we talked, I've watched, I watched two entire seasons of Prison Break in like four days. Um, yes, she did. I had a lot of editing work to do, and Prison Break proved pretty enjoyable in that regard. Something I did get caught up on this weekend uh, that happens to feature uh, Sarah Wayne Callies as well, so... This, there's my prison break connection, but uh, Colony I've talked about a couple of times here, and it continues to really impress me. Uh, it's really my kind of sci-fi, smart, interesting, you know, very character-driven, very v- full of lots of twists. It really, I mean, there's definitely a sci-fi component to it, but it feels it feels so well grounded in just the drama of what's happening in the situation that you know it doesn't. I feel when I'm watching it, like it doesn't, it, it just feels like really great television. And that's always something you want to look for in genre TV. You don't want, you don't want something that leans on its, you know, on its advantages. You just want to have a really engaged experience. Yeah, it sounds great. And it sounds, I mean, especially, you know, with Sarah and colleagues in there, I, I, I love the interview you did with her. Um, She's so great. There there seems like there. She seems like it. She just seems like a great person, which makes you like her even more and like what she's in even more. Um, But yeah, I, I, I mean, you're saying all the right words for Colony. It's going to be one that I catch up on uh, when they're all available. So I'll probably binge it at some point in the next month or so. But, uh, but yeah, that's that's great to know. Yeah. So Ben, what's the next thing you're looking forward to? Uh, I'm going to cheat a little bit here, Liz, and I know I've mentioned this before, and. Uh, what I'm looking forward to isn't even something that that's far out into the future. I am officially looking forward to the discussion surrounding American Crime Story: The People oh, versus yeah. O.J. Simpson. That'll um, be interesting. It premieres tomorrow on FX with the first episode. Uh, there's been a lot of discussion about it in the critical realm. I've seen a ton of stuff. Like I mean, reviews, obviously, interviews. Uh, stories, you know, even just discussions between critics on Twitter and, and you know, random other social media and commentary and stuff. 
But I feel like if this gets the ratings that you know FX is definitely plugging for, like that they that this the marketing campaign for this is outrageous. It's everywhere. Um, if they get those ratings and it actually engages the broad audience, like it's engaging critics, I think that this could just be a really fascinating discussion to get into. I, I really do. I feel like there's going to be a lot of good essays, a lot of good work out there to, to read and engage with and then to talk about with your friends. I do feel like it's a very important show that people should watch, especially now. Um, I, I, I've already you know, praised it to, to you know, high water, but I, I really am looking forward to just the discussion. I'm looking forward to being a part of that discussion. Um, and Liz, you and I have had some great talks about American Crime Story already, mm-hmm. um, and I'm sure we'll have more in the future. But, uh, but yeah, I, I can't wait. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, I think it, even if it just starts off like in a nascent place of just talking about that case and what happened and our memories of it and how they compared to the actual reality of what was going on. Not that this is, of course, a documentary style retelling of you know what happened, but I think it's going to get under people's skins in a way that has a real impact. Yeah, I and then I think the structure of the show too. We've seen the first six episodes. I think the structure of those episodes, how they're laid out, presents that exactly that way. I think you know maybe this first week we're just going to see a lot of articles, kind of comparing you know what really happened or what we thought happened or the coverage of it before to what's being depicted in the show. Uh, a lot of like this is what the truth is or, or you know, this is being debated. Um, but as it goes on, uh, the way it approaches the broader conversation um, of, of race and, and sexism and, and celebrity, um, I think that's going to be the good stuff. So I'm hoping, you know, that that timing is going to work out very well because there could be people like there usually is with these shows that are released weekly where it comes out, uh, you know, the first week and, and maybe it doesn't quite catch on immediately. But then after two or three weeks, people start popping up and catching on whether they're, you know, binge watching on DVR or online or what have you. Um, but whenever it really catches fire, I, I just hope that it does because it'll be it'll be worth gathering around that fire and having a talk. Ben is thirsty for your think pieces, people. Get yeah, bring them on. Send them my way. <laughs> Liz, though, uh, what is something that's an actual show that people can watch that maybe isn't coming out on Tuesday? What What are you looking forward to next? Well, this is actually cheating. Oh boy, well. is it X Files? No, though that's always true. Yeah. Uh, I get to watch You should new- be doing the X Files like I was doing the leftovers. Like every time I ask you this question, you should just be saying, Yeah, the X Files, Ben. And then I'll be like, Well, Liz, give us something else. And you're like, Okay, fine. Uh, I mean, I just assume we all know it at this point. Uh, Never okay, fair enough. I do get it is it is kind of wonderful to know that this afternoon I get to sit back and watch and review a new episode of the X Files. That's yeah. that's kind of magical for me. Uh, so uh, the the thing I'm the thing I'm actually going to say though is based on Grease Live, uh, I'm very excited for Fox's next announced live musical experience, which is Rocky Horror Picture Show. Oh, uh, yeah. Ta- which uh, stars Laverne Cox from Orange is the New Black as Dr. Frankenfurter. Yeah. Which is the best casting ever. It's very good. Right? Uh, I mean, very good wasn't enough. You're right. Best ever. Yeah. I mean, it's wonderful. And I actually, it was funny at TCA's. I got to, I got like a one-on-one with her, and I. It was the thing about bringing Orange Is the New Black to TCA's in January is that 
Nobody, there are no episodes available for us to look at. So we don't know, because the show hasn't, it doesn't come out until June. So we have basically nothing to talk about with that cast. And they're all really nice, wonderful people, but they don't want to spoil anything. And so it's hard to really get into substantive conversations with them. But uh, at this time in the year, but so anyways, I ended up talking with Laverne Cox a lot about Rocky Horror and like her take on it is so smart and fascinating that I can't, I can't wait to see how that translates to the screen. Uh, That's great. That's so great to hear, especially when, you know, the casting in and of itself is so perfect. Just looking at her previous body of work and like what she's done so far. Um, But, but knowing that she's got her own take on it or or even that level of interest to have her own take on it is going to add something to that production so that's that that's a great detail yeah uh i have no idea i, I believe that is set to run uh this fall uh so it's a ways out but she was talking about how she's already going into rehearsal so maybe it's sooner i don't know I, I can't wait to find out that was a perfect counterpick to mine, Liz. I've got something coming out tomorrow. You've got something coming out. Who knows when in the in the yeah, distant future? We, but hey, we're covering everything. We've, we've got it all. We've got all of space and time covered. And uh, for more of space and time, you can find us at. Wow, that sucked. <laughs> <laughs> that, I, gave, I gave it to the college try. That transition. But, for more, for more space and time analysis of um, the word. You, you could go. Go to there. We have Doctor Who reviews. There we go. <laughs> I say it. it. At indiewire.com, where you can find reviews, interviews, features, etc. All the things you enjoy reading about television, and some of the things you don't enjoy reading about television, but you need to read. God damn it, because you need to know. And I mean, if you want to hear some really smart people who are on the ground talk about the space that is the Sundance <laughs> Film Festival, then listen to uh, our great. Are great people, our great cohorts, Eric Cohn and Ann Thompson. Um, they're gonna, they're, they're actually done with Sundance now, but I'm sure they've got plenty more analysis to cover. And you know, past episodes have have dug into it. I think they did a live episode at Sundance, which is always good when they have live interaction with the audience and uh, with each other. Uh, and then, you know, obviously, if you want to talk about a little bit of, of of the time Dana Harris went to Sundance and talked to some really important influencers uh, for IndieWire Influencers podcast, then make sure you listen to that as well. Yeah. And you can find Ben on Twitter at Ben T. Travers. And you can find Liz on Twitter at Lizlet with an I and an E. That's correct. We'll be back next week talking yet more about television. And in the meantime, you guys, keep watching it. <laughs>